The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Intuitive Connection, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. We have a guest again this week and one that I'm really, really excited about, Tina Hines. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Yay. I always say that and listeners probably know that because I tend to mispronounce even simple names sometimes. So Tina is a life transformation specialist and I'm going to let you explain even more what you do, but I also know that a lot of your work is through travel and through creating retreats and experiences for women and helping them find self-love after the storm. Mm, Yes. So Tina, welcome and hello. Hello and thank you. I'm happy to be here. We're happy to have you here. And Tina, we actually met in a really strange way. I don't even know if you remember how that was, but you actually invited me to Clubhouse. (laughs) Yeah. I remember now. (laughs) Yeah. So we met through a Facebook post. Someone was talking about Clubhouse and I was like, ooh, what's Clubhouse? And, And Tina, who I didn't know, chimed on and said, hey, you want an invite? So that's how I got to uh, discover the magic that is Tina Hines. And I've been following you on Facebook and Instagram pretty much ever since. And we're just really excited about some of the magic that I see you putting out there on social media and wanted to learn more about the work that you do. Well, this journey has really been interesting. I, I, I don't know why I always stay stuck on 10 years where now I feel it's been longer than that. <laughs> but 10 years is my number that I'm sticking to. Um, but this amazing work of helping and supporting women in their healing journey has been fulfilling. And it's a passion that is, I guess I can say, from a long history of my, my family, my grandmother's of doing healing work and helping women fulfill whatever it is that they need to fulfill. You know, and you hear that a lot about people that identify as psychics or mediums, then they'll say like, there's a family lineage. What do you think about that? What was your experience with that? It's not my experience. So I'm always curious for people for whom it is. It's funny because I was having this discussion yesterday uh, during a monthly conversation I have called Intimate Conversations. And we were talking about everyone and the different abilities that they have. And at the time, 
when they learn it. Some people know from childhood that they have some type of gift. Um, I didn't find out till I was 40. And then the storm, as I like to call it, was going through clinical depression and allowing myself to get quiet during that time, not by choice, but by force. And then having the experiences of seeing loved ones who had transitioned. And after, you know, having this experience, I'm like, okay, I think I'm going crazy (laughs) and I might have to be admitted to the hospital, but let me ask some family members before I go commit myself. And, you know, going through the process of asking different family members if my grandmother, who I knew, um, had had different experiences. And through that process, learning that my grandmother had dreams. And what was fortunate is I have a great cousin who's still walking, breathing this earth. And I was guided to go talk to her. And when I was having a conversation with her, I was like, you know, something's different is happening to me. And I'm seeing your mom. I'm seeing my grandmother. And I'm seeing some woman. I don't know who the heck she is. And she asked me to describe her. She's like, describe her to me. And I start describing her. And she says, oh, that's your great, great grandma, Jenny. You're just like her. I've been waiting for you. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) It was amazing and shocking at the same time. But I appreciate that I do have someone, a family member who could actually share. So I get a better understanding of it. And then also having the pleasure of one of my, my aunts gave me my grandmother's journals. And in her journals, my grandmother would write down her dreams. And there were some dreams in there that I recalled actually happening. Wow. And when I was sharing that, my aunt would be like, you're too young to remember this happening. I'm like, no, I remember certain situations happening. And I started sharing certain pieces of that she could visually see of the experience. Wow. That's amazing. And it's validating too, right? Like, because I think that I don't think this is 100% true, but I've always said one of the reasons I think intuitive gifts and psychic gifts tend to travel in families is because then you have you know a lot of kids where if grandma always has these visions and it's something that's talked about, which it doesn't sound like that was your experience as a child. But if it is something that's talked about, it gives kids a frame of reference for kind of understanding and accepting these gifts and makes them more normalized so that you do, it becomes part of your life. But it's interesting because that wasn't your experience initially, right? It wasn't talked about when you were a child. Was not talked about. And honestly, we don't talk about it too much in the family now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I, I, I know that there are certain individuals that I can have these conversations with and not feel as if it's overwhelming or making people feel uncomfortable because it is a, a practice that isn't normal, especially back when my grandmother was growing up and her mother as well. So it's not it, it's something that was kept quiet, especially because my great grandmother was married to a Pentecostal minister. So, you know, we're in church and everything is about faith and about religion. And so even that was a challenge for me of, am I going against my faith because I believe in this? And, you know, as I began my own personal journey and discovering what was best for me and how I viewed it, and even my experience inside the church and eventually leaving the church, you have to come to the conclusion of what's best for you. And that's what I did. And I think, and again, I, I'm maybe fortunate. Some people would think not fortunate, but I was fortunate not to grow up with any kind of strong religious tradition, mm-hmm. which sort of for me meant I could kind of pick and choose whatever whatever suited you know my spirituality and I still work that way. 
So there's there's kind of a freedom there. I was a little Jewish girl who, for whatever reason, when I was a child, would talk to Jesus. I don't know, but that's what I did. <laughs> but without any of the religion. Yeah. I appreciate having the foundation of the faith, but I don't view it as religious. I've taken on the spiritual side of it. And I sense that as I became an adult and had this level of awareness, it always felt more spiritual to me. That connection felt spiritual. I mean, I think that our spiritual connection is so individual and so unique because it's your connection back, you know, through the vessel that is your human experience back to your soul and back to source. So for me, I just feel it's, it's different for everybody and, and it's about finding your connection and how, you know, what, what feels true to you. Right. I agree. And I think sometimes institutional organized religion, it's harder to do that through that vessel for some people. And then some people, that's exactly how they find their way. And so again, but I think it's individual. So that's so cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> And what did you do? Because look, we have a similar story, right? Because my intuition also awakened around my 40th birthday. And I've been doing this for um, 11 years now. So very similar. And I know for me, I came from a very academic background. I was an Ivy League trained psychologist. So very like left-brained in a lot of ways, intellectual. And at first, yeah, you do have that experience. Like, am I losing it? I'm having these weird experiences. For me, it was talking to spirit guides. Like, how did you navigate that? All of a sudden now I wake up and I see deceased loved ones. How did you, you know, you you sought out family. What else helped you to kind of ground into the fact, oh no, this is the new real? Actually, as I said, my awakening, I was going through clinical depression and my awakening at the exact same time. Okay. So I'm trying to decipher which is which. And what was great was, I had an amazing therapist after firing four. Um, My favorite saying, I had to release them with love. So after releasing them with love, I found this amazing licensed clinical social worker. And the connection was he had a singing bowl in his office. And as soon as I saw that singing bowl, I was like, he's the person for me. And in one of our sessions, I said to him, I want the old Tina back. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, why? And I says, because I know who she is. I says, this person who's emerging now, I have no clue who she is. I'm a little bit uncomfortable. And damn it, she cries all the time. (laughs) So he was like, okay. But once I got comfortable enough to share with him in a space where I wasn't feeling judged, I, I literally said to him, I said, you know, I have to share something with you and it is a little bit uncomfortable, but I need you to make me a promise. And he goes, what's the promise? I said that you won't put me in a hospital. And he looked and he says, what do you mean? I won't put you in a hospital. He's like, are you going to hurt anybody? I was like, no. And he says, are you going to hurt yourself? I said, no. He says, okay, then I think I can agree not to put you in a hospital. And I go, well, I've been seeing my grandmother my great-grandmother, my great-aunt, and some woman that apparently is my great-great-grandmother. And he says, oh, that's great. And I go, so you're not going to put me in the hospital, right? He goes, no, Tina, I'm not going to put you in the hospital. I go, they're dead. (laughs) He goes, oh, well, that's beautiful, Tina. And I was like, so I'm not crazy, right? He goes, no, Tina, you're not crazy. And so once I got someone who really didn't know me, the acceptance from him, 
then I was able to explore more with myself and practicing going to Reiki. I connected with this wonderful Reiki master who helped me um, get a better understanding of this awakening that I was experiencing. And so slowly but surely, I felt like, you know, some people say we have a choice. I feel like I didn't have a choice. This was the path that my ancestors had led, my grandmothers, and it's my turn to hold the baton and carry it in this century. Yeah, I can see that. That's a beautiful story and how fortunate you were. After firing, you fired four before him, three before him? Four. Four. (laughs) Out of here. And that just tells me so much about who you are too, because that takes a lot of strength of will to go through that and say, nope, 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 and find the person out there that's going to help you do the work that you need to do and support you. So that's Mm -hmm. tremendous. And especially when you're at a point of, you know, in a clinical depression, in that vulnerable state, like I just honor you for standing up for yourself and getting what you need. And that just tells me so much about you and probably what you help other women do as well. Yes. And it's important because You know, I don't take therapy lightly, but it's important to have a person who understands you and sort of gets it and doesn't want to immediately give you a prescription. And that was important for me as I was the importance of not being medicated unless it was absolutely necessary. And the importance of I was going through an experience that I needed to be comfortable enough to had this conversation. And the the challenge initially was because most of the people, the therapists that I had sought out, because I thought there would be a great connection, were female. The problem is I have this deeper connection with females and I'm sitting in their office like, oh my God, she's experiencing something. And I couldn't, I just, I just couldn't do it. And then the male one that I had, he he wanted to, here, here, you're bipolar, here's a pill. And I'm like, dude, I'm not bipolar. So, but it's great to know that I had the gift of free will and the sound mind to make a conscious decision of who was going to be best to help me on this journey out of depression. Yeah, no, I think it's beautiful. And I often tell people with therapy too, and I'm a therapist, it's one of the, the many hats that I wear. It's like dating. You want to find that person that you connect with, that you click with. Your friend might have someone they just love and you walk into that office and you're like, no. And I also tell people too, if you've had a bad experience, and that can be the hardest thing to have a bad experience when you're in a vulnerable state. And it's sometimes hard to go back out there because you know no one wants to have that happen to them twice. But it's really important to recognize that you do have the ability to choose. You should be in the driver's seat. If you go to work with anyone, I mean, a doctor a psychic, a counselor, and they, you know, put you like a little child in the corner and say, you listen to me, you do it. I say, I'm always right. And, you know, walk away, just like sneak out the back door, <laughs> like get out of there. Right. Cause any of these relationships should be empowering. And sometimes it just takes a few iterations to find the person that you, you click with. Yes. I totally agree. Yeah. It's so important. And I think that's with anything. And I'd also say too, and I say this a lot, is that it can change. So, you know, and I see this in my own work, right? Sometimes you are the person to take, you know, me as the counselor is the person to take someone from step A to step B. And then they get to step B and they need someone else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not everyone has the ego, I was going to say ego strength, but the, the mm-hmm. lack of ego or they can get out of the way and say like, 
sayonara, be free. But it's so important, again, that you recognize that your needs are going to change all the time. And I've had clients, you know, even as an intuitive, they come to me, I don't see them for, you know, five years, and then they come back, like, it's all good. It's really like, you want to feel empowered to get the help that you need when you need it. And it's about growth. Yeah, definitely about growth. You have to be willing to grow. I don't, I didn't want to be stuck in a place. No one wants to be stuck in a place where you're stagnant with that one person for an extended period of time. And there's no growth because the goal is not always to stay with the therapist or the coach or what have you. It is to be elevated to a higher level. Yeah. And, you know, depression, I think for many is a gateway or can be a gateway to higher growth and development and transformation because you're a transformation specialist. You know, I'm guessing that was the experience for you, right? Sometimes we hit the wall, everything kind of falls apart. The old person that we think we were kind of gets left behind and then you have to create a new. And I think that, you know, mental health crises like depression can be so powerful for that. Was that your experience? Yes, it was. I always say I was minding my business in corporate America. I loved my corporate job. (laughs) Really? I I mean, I had been in corporate since I was 17, starting out at a large pharmaceutical company. And in my my last few years, I worked for a foundation where we were were giving. And so to even do that and then all of a sudden go through this this shift of I'm going to start working with women. And it all started out just simple, inviting women to my home and we would have monthly discussions. It was undercover a book club, but we never read the book. (laughs) But we just started talking about some of the challenges that we face as women, as mom, as spouses, as bosses, as business owners. And it just evolved from there. And then once, you know, having these, these conversations and then going to work every day, it wasn't as fulfilling as it was 11 years prior when I walked in the door. And I just felt that the work that I was doing, although I was still serving and I was still helping in my corporate capacity, supporting a CEO, I just felt that there was something bigger. And it's interesting because I've always had in the back of my mind, there was something bigger. Even when I was just starting out my career in corporate, I can remember having a discussion with one of my my managers who was asking me, he was like, you know, Tina, I really think that you would be great to help people with like a temp agency. He says, you're just in essence so intuitive when it comes to the administrative side of things. And I was, I always said, no, there's something bigger I'm supposed to be doing. There's something bigger. I didn't know the turmoil or the storm I would have to go (laughs) through for that bigger, but it made itself known of what that bigger was. I love it. And let's talk about the work that you do. And let's talk too about Mm self-love because you found self-love after the storm, I'm assuming. (laughs) Yes. And I consider storms anything that we go through. A divorce, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, sickness. They're all considered storms to me. Yeah. No, I think so. Those struggles. I mean, I always see my work as Look, I would love it when people, I do love it when people come to me and they're like, hey, life is great. And I just, I want it to be even better, you know? (laughs) So let's talk to the guides and see what they have to say. Or I'm just curious. These are all good reasons to pick up the phone and call me or call Tina, I'm sure. But usually people come to us when they're struggling, right? They come to us in the midst of the storm and they're like, help. And 
again, I really feel that though I don't think struggles in life are necessarily the way that we're, they're not necessary and, and life can be easy. And I think we're moving towards a new world where life will be easier and struggle will be less of the way that we choose to learn while in human form. I also think that up to right now, it is probably the primary way where humans grow here in our physical bodies and this earthly experience. So I think those storms for most of us are a part of life and they're an important part of life. And when you recognize that they serve a purpose, that they serve a function, to me, that's where you can kind of free yourself up and not get so lost in them because you're like, oh yeah, storm that comes in, it waters the plants, it shakes things up. And then I get to move forward and do something even better. Yes, totally even better. And even as you're going through that process, it's like, whew, how did I come out of that? And the reflection of all the storms that you have come out of, it's a reminder that you know what you are capable of achieving. And whenever doubt and fear like to creep in and be like, hey, how you doing? We missed you. You're like, I just came out of that. And I know that I can have a breakthrough. Any experience that I may have, it's just that I have to be willing and able to do it and not be like staying stuck in the storm. You have to be willing to come out of the storm and want to come out of the storm. Yeah. And you think sometimes people don't want to come out of the storm? Coming out of the storm can sometimes be uncomfortable because that means something new is going to happen. Yeah. And I think people sometimes too get used to the storm, right? If you've been living in a storm your whole life, like a sunny day could be a little bit, you know, surprising, destabilizing, like, wait, what is that thing in the sky with all that light, right? So I think some of us are just used to the storms. And when they come out, they're like waiting for the next one. They can't enjoy the moment of being out of the storm and enjoying the sun. They're like, well, I came out. What's coming up next? What else you got for me? Yeah. And you said something else that I think is really important because I see sometimes it's, I think it's human nature where we go through something and that something is really hard and then we live the rest of our life afraid it's going to happen again and Mm -hmm. afraid of it. And you know, it's, it's that PTSD, like, oh no, this could happen again. And I always tell people in those moments, wait a minute, hold on. Did you survive that? It wasn't fun, but did you get through it? And they'll say, yeah. And I said, and now, do you know a little bit more about how to navigate that having gone through it? And they'll say, well, yeah. And I said, well, then if it were to happen again, which it probably won't because you already had that experience and you learned from it. But if it were to happen again, you would have more knowledge now to navigate it and you survived it then. So why won't you survive it or even thrive through it now? Definitely thrive through it. One of my favorite sayings was always, I've seen this movie. I know how it ends. Yeah. Exactly. I've seen this movie. I know how it ends. I've been here before and I know that I came out of it and I know exactly what to do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's beautiful. And so you know that, yeah, you don't have to be afraid of those things because you already did it. Definitely. All right. So talk to me about travel because that's a big part of what you do. And it's something that, you know, a lot of us aren't doing a lot of right now, although I know that's kind of shifting and changing. So how do you work that into the work that you do? One of the key components of my work is to have women escape. I like to call it escape. And it's part of the path that I had taken when I was, you know, coming out of my depression and just needing to turn everything off. And going to another country allows you to check out, turn everything off. You say hello, whatever. I'm safely here. And then you can focus 100 percent on yourself. So 
10 years ago, I decided that I was going to start inviting women on international retreats where they can focus on themselves and do some meditation practices and also exercises that focus on truth, forgiveness, and love in order for them to tap into areas of themselves where it's still somewhat unfulfilled. And the retreats have been, you know, a phenomenal experience for the women who choose to attend. Number one, they like going to a a beautiful destination like Bali or Anguilla. And typically that's been the two destinations that I've consistently gone back to for the mere fact there's something healing about these two destinations. But the women are there and it's interesting because it's always an intimate group and there's always a connection between two of the women there. There's always a connection. And as they're sharing their story, they're saying, oh, my goodness, I'm not alone. Because they come and they come and they don't know one another. In my retreats, I prefer that you don't bring family members and friends because we never know what's going to come to the surface as we're having our daily discussions. And when these discussions take place, you're a bit vulnerable. You're you're peeling back the layers of your armor and you're truly authentically sharing. And I would think too... That there's such a value, because I do this in my own life, sometimes my own personal retreats, but there's a value sometimes of getting out of the day-to-day, getting out of those relationships, you know, that have become kind of habitual, getting out of all of that, because, you know, all of those things just kind of keep you in same old, same old, same old conditioned responses. And I would feel like sometimes when you just get out of your life a little bit, that's when you can really heal, because it creates a space for the newness to come in. It definitely does. One of the experiences that we have, like in Anguilla, I take them to different beaches. And this year when they went, I said, I want you to identify which beach you feel a certain type of energy when you go on it. And every night they would come back. That wasn't my beach. That wasn't my beach. (laughs) And I already knew which beach it was going to be. So I take them to this one particular beach called Shobay East. And I have them walk down the beach. And as soon as they hit the curb, they all were like, oh my God, this is my beach. And I'm like, what do you feel here? I says, there's like, it's certain energy that we feel. And then, you know, as they're in the water playing, it's almost like that inner child comes out and she is just so playful and not having a care in the world. And then the next day we would do our morning meditation and I would guide them on a journey of being a little girl, their little selves. And they would look at me and say, where did you get that? And I'm like, I watch you all in the ocean playing. I watch you playing with your crystals. It's like little girls that have been hidden and she's finally come out to play. So beautiful. And I know those beaches well. So (laughs) I'm I'm playing in my mind along (laughs) with you. Oh my God, that's so lovely. And how do we go from there to self-love? Like what does even self-love mean to you? And why is it important? Self-love to me means what is it that you need for yourself unapologetically? And how do you give it to yourself unapologetically? See, a lot of times we place conditions on love. We even place conditions on ourselves. I'll love you when you're skinnier. I'll love you when you're thicker. I'll love you when that scar goes away. But if you look through the eyes of an infant, you love that infant without conditions. And so when you face the mirror on yourself, can you face her in the mirror and say, I just simply love you because I love you because it doesn't have to be 
something grand that I love you. And when you practice self-love, that means you're nurturing every component of your body, mind, body, and spirit. You're feeding her with healthy things, healthy messages, healthy words. And you also speak that outwardly. You're just not taking it all in because this is a journey that you are on. It's easier to accept someone saying, I love you versus looking in the mirror and saying, I love you. And it's like, do I believe that? Do I believe that I love myself? And sometimes if there's passion behind the way you say it to yourself, it's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. And so it does require different exercises, you know, writing. My biggest activity is writing, is journal writing to be consistent, not just you know, some people feel like, oh, I'm always writing the bad stuff. Well, write the good stuff. What made you smile today? What made you laugh? What brought you joy? And then how do you cultivate this consistently? What type of information are you reading that's making an impact on you spiritually? What type of movies or TV shows are you watching that are having a positive impact on you? And even when I go back, sometimes I, there are certain words when I'm speaking, I was like, I don't say negative. I'll say not so positive. <laughs> I just, it may just be a play on words, but to me, it is like, I have to infuse this in me 24 seven because I remember when I was not in this positive space. I remember the depression. I remember the divorce. I remember the loss of a loved one. You remember all of these things that you experienced in your life. So what is it going to take for you to remember it in a more positive way? You know, what came out of the depression? What came out of the divorce? What came out of the loss of a loved one that's no longer here with you? What experiences did you have with them? So all of these, I call them pieces of a puzzle that you're putting together for your self-love. And for me, it isn't outside entities. I love myself. I love my son. But my love for myself isn't going to change as my son decides one day, oh, mom, I don't love you. I still have to love me. <laughs> and I think that's where many of us need to really dive deeper into what is it that you love about you? What do you need to fill your own tank? I love that. What would you say, Tina, to that person? They're standing in front of the mirror right now. They're listening to this podcast. They walk to the mirror. They want to say, I love you. And they can't. They can't find the words. They look in the mirror. They can't find anything that they perceive to be lovable about themselves. What do you say? How do you help them get from that place to maybe where you are now? So this is an exercise I do privately with my clients. And I would say, let's take a walk. <laughs> and we hold arm in arm and we walk to the mirror. And I start out with versus them saying it by themselves. I help them say it. I say it with them. So I may say, I love you, Victoria, and saying it with compassion. And because I'm holding them by the arm, they can feel the warmth of I love you. And they're steady staring at themselves in the mirror. And as they're staring at themselves, they're diving deep into something that's inside of them that's preventing them to say it. And I encourage them, go there, whatever it is. And sometimes as Words are trying to come up. They start explaining to me times when they didn't love themselves or experiences that they've had. And as we navigate this story, I'll go, okay, so if you're angry at that person, let's start there. 
Get angry with them. Get get so pissed at whatever comes out. That's what you say to them. You're saying it to them because perhaps at one point, maybe you were younger, you couldn't physically say it to them. So you want to get mad? Let's get mad right now. And then we may work through that process and then we'll come back to the mirror again. And I'm like, I love you, Victoria. You're like, I love you, Victoria. Because it's releasing and it's the beginning of the journey of releasing. I love it. Yeah, (laughs) it's beautiful. All right. I'm mindful of time and that we are getting to the end of our conversation, which always makes me sad. There is a question that I ask everyone on the show. How do you experience your intuition? How do I experience my intuition? There's a variety of ways that I experience it. Messages sometimes come to me when I'm sitting in stillness. When I am, you know, sitting with my singing bowl or in my meditation and the messages are coming to me. And I always question, is this for me or is this for someone else? I always have to ask that question, is this for me or someone else? And then knowing that I am being guided. We're all vessels and I'm being used as a special vessel by my grandmothers. And the goal is to serve and to help. And although they like men and we like men, it's for the women. It's to be the voice where sometimes they feel they may not have a voice. To show the love where sometimes they may not feel love. And I am guided to intuitively listen to that every single time. So when people say to me, um, Tina, you're not going to believe this. Or guess what happened? I'm like, eh, try me. I just, there's nothing you could tell me that I'm going to be surprised about. Because Every experience that my spirit guides have taken me through is preparation for those I'm supposed to serve. Amen. Absolutely. All right. If people want to work with you or they feel drawn to learn more, tell me a little bit about what some of your offerings are and then, of course, how people can find you. So currently, I do offer consultations or conversations as well as I do distance oracle card readings and mediumship readings and healing sessions. And that can be found on my website, tinacheinz.com. My middle initial is a C. Also, if you're interested in my international retreats for Anguilla for 2022, it's going to be coming on the website. Okay. (laughs) But you can always find me on social media. But if you're interested in a session, you would definitely need to go to my website, tinacheinz.com. As always, all the links will be in the show notes, so check them out. Tina, anything else that you feel called to share with listeners before we sign off? I will close with this. One of my favorite authors is Don Miguel Ruiz, and The Mastery of Love is one of my favorite, favorite books, and it focuses on the concept of truth, forgiveness, and love. Allow yourself to be true to you. And give yourself permission to forgive. Don't worry about other people, but forgive yourself. And then always pour in that strong medicine of self-love. That is so beautiful. Tina, thank you so much for sharing your light and your magic with everyone today. It has been a real true pleasure to connect with you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 
And thank you all of the listeners and everyone for tuning in. It is always a pleasure to have this great opportunity to share and to serve and to connect. And so thanks everyone for tuning in and namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again, and namaste. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.